Amen. Appreciate that. All right. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 this morning. And hope you already find your place, but haven't yet, as you do. I do want to say it's great to see a good crowd here this morning. It's highly encouraging to me once you know that. Because uh, you know what cranks my tractor is seeing people, okay, in the church. It just, I love it. And uh, I want to say thank you so much for being here this morning. It's highly encouraging to see each and every one of you. But let's take our Bibles, Mark chapter number 7. And as we've been looking at this for the past several months, we're looking at the miracles of Christ. And looking at these on Sunday mornings, all right? But each time we come to them, I do want to remind us once again of why we have the miracles recorded for us in Scripture. One of the main purposes, at least, of having the miracles recorded for us in the Word of God. Keep in mind, the main purpose is not just for some kind of show, such as Herod wanted to see in Luke chapter 23. Though each one would have been jaw-dropping, all right? It was not just to draw following, though many people did follow Jesus Christ after seeing the many things Jesus did. Uh, It was not just to show the almighty power of Christ, though these miracles prove there's nothing too hard for the Lord. We'll see that yet again this morning. Uh, That's not the main purpose. The main purpose is not just to help people, though Jesus helped thousands of individuals. Rather, the main purpose behind these miracles are to show and to prove who Jesus is. Keep in mind, Jesus is the Son of God, and these miracles prove it. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and these miracles prove it. Jesus is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and these miracles prove it. He is, understand something, Jesus is the Almighty. And each and every one of these miracles prove that truth and that fact. Here's what John said in John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. And many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you might, have, you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So this is the purpose, the main purpose behind all these miracles, to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And by seeing this fact and understanding this truth, it should cause you and I to come to Christ, believe on him as our Savior, and so we can have life through his name. So allow these miracles as we study them, yes, but as you read them as well, allow these miracles to draw you and bring you closer to Jesus Christ. All right. So let's look at another one, okay? And we'll be in Mark chapter 7. We'll read verse 31 through 37 in just a moment. And if you want to mark in your Bible, you'll find a hint of this miracle as well in the the synoptic gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 29 through 31, you'll find a hint of it there as well. But for today, we're going to mostly stay in Mark chapter 7. Now, some of you maybe, as you're finding your place, you're like, didn't you preach on this a couple weeks ago? Yes. I started a couple weeks ago, but I didn't finish, all right? And so I want to finish this miracle and this message this morning, okay? So look at it with me, Mark chapter number 7, verse 31, and the Bible says this. And again departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. 
And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. Rion measure astonished, saying, He had done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Our Father, again, I pray, to open our hearts and minds to the word of God. Open our eyes and may hold wondrous things out of thy law. Teach us, I ask, and help us to apply the truths and the principles we find to our lives. And may our lives be changed forever as a result of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at this miracle, we took note last time, we've got to take note again of the location of this miracle. I believe it's important for us to know where Jesus is at this moment. He said, the Bible says here, as we read, he came through the midst of Decapolis. Now, Decapolis was a place of, of 10 cities, all right? Deca, uh, the prefix there, Deca, uh, means 10, and the suffix there to end, uh, the suffix polis means city. So this is a place of 10 cities. It was an area that was made up of 10 Hellenistic cities on the eastern frontier of the Roman Empire. And it's said about this area, about Decapolis, that it had been a Rome away from Rome. Why? Because of the huge Roman influence in this area. So the Roman influence of the Roman people, the Roman religion, the Roman culture, this area of Decapolis would have been predominantly a Gentile area, Gentile territory, steeped in Gentile religion, steeped in idolatry, steeped in polytheism. Listen, understand something. This area, no doubt, would have been steeped in sin. But yet it's this area that Jesus has come to. And I had to pause here and say this. I had to breathe this prayer. Thank you, Lord, for coming to sinners. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for coming to sinners like me. No matter how wicked, how bad this place was, Jesus still came here. Understand something, church. Jesus came to us when we could not come to him. Praise his wonderful name. He loves sinners. He came to sinners. I'm thankful for that, and I hope you are as well. But he came to this area to minister, to help, to heal. Now, as we saw this miracle last time, we saw these two things. The first we saw was Jesus came to this area of Decapolis. We saw he met up with the multitude. You see, at this time, there were more than just one individual that had a great need. There were multitudes of people that had great needs. You can find that in Matthew chapter 15, verse 29 through 31, when it says a great multitude came unto him. Many people had many needs, just like today, people have needs. But there's one in particular, the Bible was highlighted for us, and it was a man who was deaf and dumb, meaning he could not hear, nor could he speak. And this, by the way, would have been a major need, especially in the first century time frame. Because during this time, this man who could not speak, and could not, or could not speak, could not hear, he, this means this, that he could not work. Meaning he wouldn't be able to provide for himself. He'd be left to beg for the rest of his life. He had a great need. But understand something. This man here had a great Lord for his great need. But because of this need, he had to have some help. So we met up with the multitudes. And then we met up with this. We met up with the man's friends. And it was these men's friends that we spent more time on a couple weeks ago. And we noticed two things about them. 
We notice their anticipation. They anticipated Christ to come to this area, and probably because of the testimony of the maniac of Gadara. Remember, after the maniac of Gadara was healed of his demon possession, of a legion of demons inside of him, thousands of demons inside of him, after Jesus healed him, uh, cured him, helped him, uh, Jesus told him to go back to his friends, back to his family, and tell him what great things God has done for him. But where did he go? The Bible plainly tells us where this man went. He went to the area of Decapolis, where Jesus is now. So he maybe it could be possibly at the testimony of the maniac of Gadara, telling these people how Jesus helped him and healed him, that that gave them the anticipation that Christ would soon come to their area as well. I believe these friends were anticipating Christ's coming to Decapolis. Friend, are you anticipating Christ's coming the second time? I hope you are, because listen, Jesus is coming back. So we notice the anticipation, then we notice this, we notice the friend's, uh, the friend's intercession. We notice their intercession, how they interceded for their uh, deaf and dumb friend here. Listen, they didn't know the details of how Jesus could or would help this man. They just knew that Jesus could do it. They just knew he could do it. They didn't know how he would do it, they just knew he could do it. And so they brought their friend to Jesus and simply said this to Christ, Lord just touch him. Just put your hand upon him. Just put your hand upon him. They were interceding on behalf of their friend. Why? Because the friend couldn't do it for himself. Remember, he couldn't talk. Remember, he couldn't hear. They needed help. So the friends interceded on, on behalf of their friend. I want to encourage you again this morning as we move on. Don't stop interceding on behalf of your family and friends and those around you. You may not know the details of their need or the details of how to fix it, but you do know God, and you do know God is able. So I encourage you to bring them to a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly of all we ask or think, Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Intercede on their behalf and bring their name before the God of heaven. You just never know what a simple, humble, honest prayer request will do for someone. Keep interceding on behalf of your family, on behalf of your friends. All right. So we noticed this miracle the first time we came to the multitudes. There's a lot of people need help. But we saw the man's friends. These friends brought their friend to Jesus. And then as we move on in this miracle, here's where I want to land and, and stick to these last two points. Is this number three, number one for today, but number three in the, in the entirety of the message is this. Number three, the master. I want you to take notice of the master. And of course the master here is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the first thing I'd like for you to take note of about Christ is this. Number one, notice his compassion. Notice his compassion. Now, as we've been studying the miracles of Christ, we have noticed this characteristic of the Lord Jesus Christ himself several times. And in this miracle, it's no different. It's no different. Listen, for Jesus to stop and help and heal this man, is, is this act is nothing short of compassion. But what again, what again, what is compassion? Compassion is this. It's an awareness of suffering with a desire to relieve it. And true compassion leads to one, uh, to one to do this. It leads them into action. And it's exactly what Jesus does. He has an awareness of suffering around him. He knew, he knew what this guy was going through. But it led him into action. His compassion moved him, moved Jesus, into action. And as you read the scripture, and as you read the miracles especially, you will see this time and time and time again in the word of God. 
how Jesus, full of compassion, moved him into action. You can see it in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. In Mark chapter 1 and verse, verse 41. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him, saith unto him, I will be thou clean, as he healed a leper. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38, the Bible says this. And when he, that's Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, they will send forth laborers into his harvest. Thank God, listen, thank God we have a God of compassion. Because without his compassion towards you and towards me, understand something. This is not cliche. This is absolutely 100% true. We would not be here today. Without his compassion, you and I would have no hope of our eternity. Without his compassion, we would have no, no opportunity to come to God. We would have no salvation without the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for his compassion for you and for me, for this world, for sinners. Thank God he had compassion on you and on me. Here's what the Bible says about our great God and his compassion. The Bible says this in Psalm 86 and verse 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, gracious long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Psalm 111, verse 4, He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Psalm 145, 8, The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, It's of the Lord's mercies. They were not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Listen, praise the Lord for His compassion. And no doubt this man at this moment was thankful for the compassion of Christ. Thank God for his compassion. But notice this about the master, not only his compassion. Notice this, number two, his authorization. Look at verse number 34 in our text. Mark chapter 7, verse 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephathath. I'm saying that wrong, but that's okay. Because you don't know how to say it either. Anyway, all right. <laughs> He says this Aramaic word, he says, interpreted, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loose, and he spake plain. As I read this, and as I look at this, and study this just a little bit, it really is amazing to me. You see, this man, this man is deaf. That means he cannot hear anything. He can't hear nothing, all right? He can't hear anything. Therefore, if you cannot hear would this man been able to have heard what Jesus just said? Yes or no? No. He would not have been able to hear this Aramaic word, ephatha. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. He would not be able to hear that word. He did not hear it. But understand something. Though he did not hear this, when the Creator speaks, the creation listens. And it proves yet again his authority. He commanded the ears of this man to be opened, and the creation listened. This little Aramaic word, this little act, proves his authority and his power yet again. It proves that there's nothing too hard for the Lord, Jeremiah 32, 17. 
It proves he has all power in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28 and verse 18. It proves yet again, this miracle, this moment right here, proves yet again who Jesus is. That he is the creator. And when he speaks, creation listens. You can see that in John chapter 1 verse 3. All things were made by him. Listen, Jesus is the giver of life. He is Lord. This miracle proves all of that. It proves yet again his, that he is the Messiah. Because I want to bring something to your attention. I want you to understand something this morning. I want you to remember what Jesus told the disciples of John when they came to Jesus, reporting from John the Baptist himself the doubt that he had about Jesus. You see, even the great John the Baptist had a little doubt in his faith, had a little doubt in the Lord. It happens to us from time to time, but how do we get that restored? How do we get that strengthened and encouraged once again when you go back to the Word of God? But he had some doubts, and so he sent his disciples to him, and here's what Jesus Here's what Jesus told him in Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 through 5. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. And here's what they heard and here's what they saw. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And what Jesus was doing here, as he was giving and telling the disciples of John to go tell John the Baptist this, what he was doing was referencing a passage in Isaiah. And in his passage in Isaiah 35 is referring to the coming Messiah, is referring to God coming in the flesh. And here's what it says. In Isaiah 35, verse 4 through 6, Say to them that have a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with recompense. He will come and save you. And here's how you know he will come. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. What did, the, what did Jesus do for this man here in our text? What did he do? Two things. He did what? Unstopped his ears. Untied his tongue. Exactly two things that were, <clears throat> that were going to be a proof that the Messiah has come. And this miracle, again, proved once again who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is God. He is the Almighty come in the flesh. Therefore, folks, listen to me. Get in line with him. <laughs> get in line with him. This is your God we're studying. This is your God we're reading about. This is your God we're talking about. This is your Savior. This is, this is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, get in line with him. Submit to his will for your life. Obey his word. We're not talking about just some other man. I'm not trying to take the scripture and prove to you he's a good teacher. I'm not just trying to do that and say he's another religious leader. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Son of God who is Lord of all. He has all power given unto him in heaven and in earth. Therefore, let's get in line with him. I'm trying to tell you, Jesus is God coming to flesh. Get in line with him. Obey him. Love him, live for him, obey him, serve him. He demands it all, deserves it all. So I hope from this miracle this morning, you'll take away Jesus' authority over all things. And by the way, that includes you. Submit to the Lord, obey him. One of the greatest ways to worship God is this, obedience. That's one of the greatest ways to worship the Lord, obedience to God. Obey him. He deserves it. All right. 
So we see the multitudes in the very beginning. We see the man's friends. We see the master. And then it concludes with the multitudes again. All right, so fourth and lastly, I want you to see the multitudes again after, after the miracle, after the Lord healed this man. What did the people do? Well, a hint of what they did is given to us again in the uh, synoptic part in Matthew chapter 15. He's writing about the same, uh, same time frame and same uh, miracle. In Matthew 15, verse 29 through 31. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see. And here it is. And they glorified the God of Israel. So what did these, miracle, or what did these multitudes do at, after this miracle? Number one, here's what they did. I want you to notice their glorification. Their glorification. They glorified God for his marvelous works that Jesus had just done. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean to glorify the Lord? What does that mean to glorify God? Well, here's what it means. The word glorify means to honor. It means to hold in honor. It means to lift up, to celebrate, to extol, to magnify. Here it is. Here's the word we understand. To praise. And this is exactly what the people did in our text. Notice what the Bible says again in Mark chapter 7. I know you're there. Mark chapter 7, look at verse 37. And the Bible says, And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He had done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. But did you notice what the Bible says here about their glorifying the Lord? They're praising the Lord. The Bible says this, being, uh, And were beyond measure astonished, here it is, saying, saying, Understand, they were praising the Lord with their voice. With their voice. Now, do you think as they're saying this, they're praising the Lord, do you think they were doing it quietly? No, Pastor, I don't believe that at all. Okay, thank you. All right. Do you think they whispered, He had done all things well. Do you think they whispered, do you think they whispered, glory to God? <laughs> Look, I think they got happy. I think they began to rejoice. I began, I think they began to get a little loud <laughs> and praise the Lord with their voices. Listen, you can be happy in Jesus. It's okay to shout amen. It's okay to say praise the Lord. It's okay to sing loudly. It's okay. I'm, I'm reminded of in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison. The Bible says in verse 25 of that same chapter that they prayed and sang praises unto God. And it says this, and the prisoners heard them. So I think as they were praying, it wasn't a silent prayer. All right? As they were singing, it wasn't, Bless the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. No, I think they were loud. I think they were singing loud. Why? Because the prisoners heard them. They prayed loudly. They sang loudly. They were not quiet when they praised the Lord. Listen, I want you to know something. I believe it's okay. Be a little happy and praise the Lord. Shout amen. Praise God. But just make sure that that's for the glorification of God, not the glorification of the flesh. You understand what I'm saying, right? 
Sometimes we do that just to work something up, and that's not of God. But when God it begins to bless your heart and bless your soul, it's okay to lift your hand and say, Amen, thank you, Lord. It's okay to praise the Lord. So what did they do after this miracle? Well, notice their, their glorification. Man, they glorified God, and they were saying this, and I believe saying it loudly. People were hearing them. All right. And then what else did they do after this miracle? Number two. Not only their glorification, but number two, their publication. Look at verse 36, Mark chapter 7, verse 36. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. Now, as I read this, I don't know exactly why Jesus told them to keep quiet about the healing of the deaf and dumb man. I don't know why exactly. We can only speculate. Maybe Jesus was coming to this area for some rest. Remember, that's one of the reasons he, he came to this area, get away from the crowds. And maybe this uh, publication would, would attract unnecessary attention to him and disciples. And we see that even as he went back to the mountaintop and multitudes came to him. But the Bible says he healed everyone. He didn't turn anyone away. But we don't know exactly why he told him, hey, look, just, just keep that quiet right now. We don't know why. But understand something. These people here, they could not help but tell others. They got the can't help it. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what the can't help it is? <laughs> they just couldn't help it, right? They got the can't help it. They, they couldn't help but tell folks what had happened to them. Why? Because their life was changed forever. Their, their friends' lives were changed forever. They couldn't help but tell others who had great need of a great Lord who could help them in their great need. They couldn't help it. <laughs> couldn't help it. Their life was changed for him. Let me ask you a question. What would change your life? I'm talking about change your life drastically overnight. What would change your life? Someone tell me. Million dollars? Just a million? Two million. Okay. That way we can share. Yeah. All right, man. I know. I know. All right. All right. Family? Sure. But some folks would say, look, multitudes of money would change my life overnight. I get it. Sure. That would change your life. Maybe you'd like to try. <laughs> I'd like to try with you, you know. That would change your life overnight. Now, if you had millions of dollars overnight given to you in your bank account, whatever, would you, uh, would you be quiet about it? Would you tell your family and friends? You're like, well, it just depends what family you're talking about. <laughs> they got to all my family? Yeah. <laughs> No, you don't have to tell your family. <clears throat> anyway. But you would probably, if I had to guess, you would not be quiet about it. You would probably be like, look, man, I, I just, I don't know how this happened, but I found $5 million buried in a mason jar in my backyard. It was amazing. Was, put, was putting in a septic tank and boom, there it was. It was just cool, you know. You would, you would be plastering that all over Facebook. You'd be telling everybody about it. Why? Because that just changed your life. So I'm not blaming these guys doing what they did. Jesus has just changed their life and they wanted to make it known. I want you to know something, child of God. You know Jesus as your Savior today, you have something worth more than $5 million, right? You have something worth more than money could buy. Eternal life, home in heaven, be with God forever. Money can't buy that, folks. Only Jesus could. 
He paid for it with his life and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for you, buried in a barred tomb, and three days later rose again from the dead. And he, he lives for you and for me to give us life eternal. So if you know Jesus as your Savior, you understand something. He has changed your life. But have you told somebody lately about it? You know, sometimes I... I think for Christians, some, not all, I'm, I don't want to put a blanket statement over everything here, but some Christians would have no problem, no problem obeying this command of the Lord when he says, tell no man. Verse 36, tell no man. Okay, no problem. I think some would have no problem obeying that. But understand, that's not the command we have today. The command we have today given to us is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The command we have today is to every creature about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to go everywhere and tell everybody. But yet we have a hard time following that one. I'm reminded of a friend whose, uh, whose church really is growing. It's growing immensely. It really is. And God's blessing, and it's very exciting to see. And I rejoice with them. I rejoice with them. But uh, he was on a podcast recently, and someone asked him, uh, why is your church growing so, 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 so rapidly and, and it seems God is blessing so much? What do you, uh, what do you give credit to and for that kind of thing? So, well, it's the Lord's church. Uh, it's God's church. He's doing a good job with it. And I say, amen. He said, we just make an emphasis on the gospel, on Jesus Christ. I say, amen to that. And he said this. It really caught my attention. He said, look, here's, what, here's one thing that I really want to nail it down to. And he says, our people share Jesus. Everywhere they go. He says, it's not just the pastor and the staff or other leaders in the church. He says, no, no, no. Everybody does it. When they go to work, they give out gospel tracts and they share people a testimony. They invite people out to church and everybody does it. He said, that's why I, I kind of nail it down to it's, it's our people that are doing the work of the ministry and obeying the scripture to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Folks, I want you to know something. It's up to all of us, all of us, all of us to go with the gospel, to hand out these gospel tracts, to give the gospel. You can do that. You can do that. You can take these gospel tracts. We have several of them. We have thousands of them out here, okay? If we run out, we'll get more. But you can take these things. You can give them out to people. You can say, hey, I want to give you something that changed my life. Would you please take this? And a lot of times when you say something like that, I'm going to give you something that changed my life, they're going to take it, all right? But you can start giving out the gospel to people at work. Give the gospel at home. Live it as well. But give it out. There's no telling how God will use that. His word, I promise you, will not return void. There's no telling how God will use that to bless your life, to bless this church, and to move forward with the gospel. But we all have to do it. Just as these individuals here, they went out and publicized what Jesus had done. I love but one other portion of scripture. I believe it's in Mark chapter number 1 and verse 45. After Jesus heals a leper there. The Bible says that he blazed abroad the matter. Man, I love that phraseology. I love that wording. Blazed abroad the matter. What does that mean? Well, in today's vernacular, here's what this guy did. He made Jesus viral. <laughs> he made Jesus go viral. That's what he did. Spread the news of Christ so far and so fast that everybody knew who Jesus was. Why? Because somebody told them. So today, I want to encourage you. And for the rest of the week, rest of the month, rest of the year, and the rest of your life, tell someone about Jesus Christ. Tell somebody, you can do this. 
We can do this. Tell somebody. So these multitudes here, they glorified God and they just made him known after this miracle took place. It's a mighty thing to read about and study in the word of God what Jesus is doing through these miracles. I want to take these lessons that we learned together and apply them to our life and truly go forward with full confidence and understanding of who Jesus is. He's working with us, working with us as we give out the gospel, knowing he is the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh. There's nothing too hard for him and move forward for the glory of God with the gospel of God. Let's do that together as a church. Let's move forward.